after a big seven to three victory by the Hawkeyes on opening week, week one, and Iowa State taking down Semo, 42 to 10. Well, it's as good a time as any for this week and a week that is always good for the state. For me, this is a really great week to be working from home these days. It's Cyhawk Week on We Have High Expectations. What'd you think on Saturday, Andrew? It was good to be back in Kennett. Good. I mean, what'd you think of the atmosphere at the game? I wasn't game? there. I wasn't there. Um, the atmosphere in my in-laws' garage where we were watching the TV or watching the game. Uh, when we were on defense, it was fun. I guess. <laughs> Electricity. I I thought the atmosphere was great. I mean, that whole second half. Third and medium, third and long, you know, Tory Taylor would go over to the to the practice net and start, you know, warming up that leg. And man, the excitement in the crowd for what most likely was going to be another Tory Taylor punt on fourth down. I mean, you could just feel it. It was just and he never disappointed. I mean, all what do you have? Ten punts? All, all of them. Was just phenomenal. I mean, he's how do you get any better than that? They say you make your biggest improvements between week one and week two of the college football season. For Tory Taylor, how do, where do you go? I mean, highlight real punt after highlight real punt. I guess we can just keep talking about him. I don't. I mean, <laughs> like I don't know what else about, there is. To I don't talk really know about. what else. Yeah, other than the defense looks awesome. It sucks that Justin Jacobs and uh, Yahweh yeah. Black got hurt, but. Um, other than that, I mean, the defense looked really good. I know South Dakota State's one double A, but they they've got offensive players, and they there was just no chance they were going to score. They had that one busted coverage where they overshot him, but over the middle, yeah, they had one chance, yeah, but yeah. yeah but other can... than that, like honestly, if the offense would have just kneeled down and punted from where they were, where they got the ball, let's just say that the offense did nothing except execute kicks, either field goals or punts based on where the defense got them the ball back, we would have won that game 10, nothing, two field <laughs> goals, two safeties. They wouldn't have scored. Like if we did, you know, cause we missed a field goal when we got the ball to 25 and did nothing with it. You right. know, the punt return, Arlen Bruce punt returned to like the 30 and we got five yards and then kicked the weirdest looking field goal. I think I've ever seen. I don't know how, really how that one got in. Also, what was Wes talking about where he was like, that one was good. It was pretty obviously missed, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was that. Well, yeah. yeah. From our vantage point in the middle of the north end zone, it <laughs> yeah. was definitely not good. <laughs> it looked pretty but, not yeah, good it, on TV, but yeah, uh, I don't, let's just get, let's, let's get where we need to go. Well, I was going to ask first, I didn't look this up, but I don't know how you would. I'm sure that a team has won a game without the offense scoring, you know, with the defense scoring more points than the offense. I'm sure that's happened. happened Has that ever happened where the defense (laughs) has scored more points than the offense without a touchdown and still won the game? I I was thinking, I was trying to figure, like, I mean, I think somebody said it. It's the most Iowa way ever to get to seven, right? Like, just like against Nebraska last year, they overcome a deficit by getting a, you know, like three, three, seven two six like just like the weirdest 
you know, like it'd be like just hitting like Kirk Ferentz. I guarantee you Kirk Ferentz sits at blackjack tables and tries to build like six card 21s, right? <laughs> like that's probably like his favorite thing in the world to do at a blackjack table, like seeing, seeing a seven against an 18 and just getting to build, you know, like being like, let's go, baby. <laughs> but, uh, it but, had shades. Yeah. It, it it had shades. It reminded you of the uh, six to four classic at uh, Penn State back in Ferentz's early yeah. years. But Somebody said that, and I was like, it was kind of like that. However, it at least Penn, we knew that's, that's that. Penn State. Like, at least we also knew that team like had the ability to run competent offense. There is nothing, yeah, that we have done really in you know really since the end of the COVID year that has made me think we have any competency on offense whatsoever. Like, it's just crazy, isn't it? That, uh, yeah. So here, let me, let me just, and it's week one. So I'll, before yeah. we go into yeah. mowing, it's week one. Yeah. We'll see, but we've seen two years of this prior to week uh, one as well. Right. Yeah. So let's say, so, so there was a lot of talk in the off season about, fixing the offense and a lot of Brian Ferentz talk of, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that, bringing in this new guy. Everybody's kind of excited. Spencer Peters looks great. Okay. But let's just, let's take that all away and break down like what they actually did. And I'm going to, so I'm just going to lay out like what was done. And then you just tell me why anybody had, you just tell me why anybody had any sense of optimism coming into Saturday. Okay. So you get done with the season in which, you know, Spencer Petrus was, like outside the top 125 in passer rating last year, um, the offense was like 123rd in yards per play, like terrible in the red zone. Leading wide receiver maybe had 300 yards last year. Maybe, you know, like the season was just offensively was a, was a clusterfuck. Right. So here's what happened since the start of it. So did, did, you know, did they tell a quarterback to get into the portal and transfer? Nope. Nope. We're just going to bring back. Did we go into the portal and find a quarterback? One of the 60 that transferred uh, after last season? Nope. Didn't, didn't do that. Well, the quarterback's coach resigned. So what did we do to replace him? Well, we went ahead and, you know, hired an ex Iowa linebacker to coach tight ends and moved a guy who's never actually coached quarterbacks and has been the, um, been the developer of offensives that have never finished in the side of the top 80. We just moved him to quarterbacks coach. Okay. Did we go out and get any offensive tackle help for, for the tackles that struggled last year? No, didn't do that. Did we, did we go out and get any additional wide receiver? Nope. Didn't do that. We actually ended up losing two out of our top five and three out of our top five. When you consider Keegan Johnson's hurt. Yeah. And then four out of our top five, when you consider Nico Regani's hurt. And then Brody Breck didn't play. Jacob Bostic was hurt. We had one scholarship wide receiver. You know, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all things that have happened. And then, you know, on top of that, we brought in an offensive analyst. Awesome. Okay, we got this new offensive analyst in that's going to help us out with all this stuff. He was the offensive coordinator at Colorado State. They were fucking terrible last year. <laughs> so if I told you all this stuff, and all this stuff is stuff I'm thinking as I'm reading all these articles by Lysticow and Doctorman and David Eichel and all these people talking about how good the offense is looking in fall camp and Spencer and, I, and I'm and I'm thinking all this stuff, but I'm not going to rain on anybody's parade three months before the season. Like I'm just that's that's not the kind of person I want to be. Um, it's probably who I am. It's just not the kind of person I want to be. So 
I didn't say any of this, and I'm kind of mad at myself for not saying it because if I told you all everything I just said was 100% true, Brad, why would you have had any optimism for our offense going into Saturday? Yeah, my response to that would be my optimism was low, you know. <laughs> and I, as I think a lot of people's were, I think that's why the crowd displayed their frustration as early as they did because it was pretty. It's what we were changed? just asking for. What's we were asking. Changed? We were asking yeah. for two. We were asking for two percent better or three percent better. Exactly. Of of crap, and we didn't get it. And we and actually it got worse. worse. It was <laughs> yeah, way it got worse. worse. Like, and that's missed, the most. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing to me is in today's world, right, where there's the transfer portal, Charlie Jones can leave Iowa, go to Purdue, like what, a month, two months? I mean, it feels like a month before the season, but I know yeah. it wasn't. It was, I mean, it was June 1st. It was pretty quick or pretty late. Yeah, I mean, that's so totally, when, yeah. when that can happen and then he can play week one. I mean, being a receive, receiver and quarterback is different, so not apples to apples, but still. How do we? But it isn't that different. That's the thing. Like, what are we doing that means that if 41 other guys did it this year, if 41 out of the 120 some starting quarterbacks in Division in Division One were transfers, so like if if they can do it at LSU and they can do it at um wherever the hell else they're doing it, they're doing it all over, right? Like if if they can do it in Indiana, if they can do it at um wherever they're doing it, why can't we do it? Yeah. Well, why why not even try? Like USC, that's my point. If they can do it at USC, if they can do it at anybody, any you know, any other program after two years, it's not working out. You have a difficult conversation with somebody in the off season and they transfer out, maybe to a one double A, maybe to a Mac or smaller conference school, Mountain West school, whatever, right? Or you bring somebody in to be his competition and maybe he sees the writing on the wall they're bringing somebody else in if i want to play it's not going to be here you know i mean like we do that in other sports right like franny runs guys off the basketball team and and i mean all the time like you admit you have to admit your not necessarily mistakes but but yeah so that's my number one thing is how are we still in this situation after two plus years and it hasn't gotten fixed? Number two, everybody's like, how do you not make the change? Like, well, we've seen Padilla. Padilla can at least move, but it's not like he's going to right set the world on fire. So. But yeah, but he doesn't I, have to set the world on no, fire. You know, like I, at least he I throws think, it to people. I think at this <laughs> point, Spencer's confidence has to be so flipping low that you're doing him a disservice by continuing to run him out there. But I also think that maybe not everybody on the coaching staff, but I think coaches think Spencer is the best quarterback, which if that's the case, then that's a massive failure in recruiting for the last three, four years, right? It's, it's, it's a massive failure in recruiting. It's, it's, a, it's an indictment of your whole system, right? Because He's not, you know, if if he if he is continually showing the best in practice, what you you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what are we doing in practice that's not translating to a game? Because obviously, yeah. what we're doing in practice is not simulating a game. Is not, you know, I, I heard Brian Ferentz say today, um, you know, that that when his technique broke down or something, then he 
and he made poor and he made poor reads is when things went wrong or something and it's like well yeah of, of course like when his fundamentals were good he you know he completed passes and it's like yeah that's like why he's not any good you know like you know, yeah, you know like we were talking just... about we were like just bullshitting about my golf game right like yeah when i like put a really good swing on with a driver and i you know i release the club and hit it in the center of the club face it goes 310 yards I'm an 11 handicap because I do that once out of 14 freaking drives. You know, like the like the Spencer Petrus is the equivalent of a 14 handicap in golf. Like he 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 can make a he can make a throw like he did on that third and 17 or whatever where he hit Bruce for 20 yards between two people, and you're like, yeah, man, that's that's a great throw. And then he can just you know like shit his pants on a screen pass when LaShawn Williams is wide open and there is nobody on the entire side of the field because you got the exact look you wanted. The guy that would have been there to make the play blitzed. So you got the look you wanted and you, and and he can't make the play. So, you know, and, and, you know, and they said today, you know, it wasn't indicative of how Spencer practiced. And I'm like, but it's indicative of how he's played in 22 starts at Iowa. So at some point, you got to have at least some type of faith in some of the guys you've recruited that they can go help you win games. Cause Spencer's not helping you win games. You're winning games in spite of him. He's one touchdown and nine interceptions since the Penn state game last year. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And one on. thing we, and one thing we talked about too, at the uh, tailgate after the game, you know, um, and I think Gary was the one that said mm-hmm. it was like every other position on the field, we, we make changes, you know, like we have a, we have a short leash at every other position on the field. We're mixing around the offensive line. Again, the offensive line performed poorly. We're yeah, they weren't very the good. two deep came out here. We're moving, shifting people around there. But for some reason, that one position of quarterback, it's like, we it's are, bizarre, we are it's loyal bizarre. to the end and will, and, and so slow to make any type of change, but well, here's here's the other thing, just on the offense to get away from the quarterback side of it. The, the on top of not having a quarterback that can make any plays, I saw I saw these numbers from uh, from Bill Conley. Like we're we're when we're under center, we run the ball seventy five percent of the time. Yeah. When we're in shotgun, we run the ball twenty two percent of the time. So if we're in shotgun, we're going to pass, and if we're in, uh, and if we're under center, we're going to run. Yeah. And on top of that, when we're under center, maybe we'll mix in some play action, some bootleg actions, and that's you know that's our game, right? That that stuff we need to do. But we only throw the ball twenty yards down the field like five percent of the time, and even less than five percent of the time, we barely throw the. I don't think we threw the ball Saturday between ten and twenty yards. I think we had two pass plays over twenty, and everything else was between five to ten yards. So you can just come with your hair on fire as a def- defense when we're even you're not going to get burned on a play action because we don't throw the ball down the field. Like, cause the quarterback can't do it. Right. Like there's gotta be guys out there to throw the ball to down the field. He just can't do it. So if you're going to be that, like if you're going to be that tendency specific, like where, where they can zero into that degree on top of having a quarterback that can't make plays. And then you mix in an offensive line that, really struggled. I thought the interior of the offensive line really, really struggled and the tackles weren't great either. Um, it's a recipe for a 1.1 quarterback rating, but it all starts at the quarterback. If he can't do it, you can't do anything else. Like, I don't know how you call a game. If your quarterback can't complete a six yard hitch with 15 yards cushion 
Darlin Bruce on first down. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know? well, you, so, and you also throw in all those things you said about the offense and tendencies and, and everything else, and then you throw in a quarterback that's a statue. And right. the defense, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't the defense just pin their ears back and go crazy? I mean, you know, we got to be the funnest. We got to be the funnest offense for any defensive player to play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But. And, and, and so much of our, of, of our run game is based on numbers. So you can go ahead and come up to the line of scrimmage. And, and a lot of this comes from the change in the cut block rule, right? So we used to get any, any backside linebacker flow into the play had to, had to stay a little, they, they had to be wary of a, of a backside lineman coming in and cutting them. Mm-hmm. Right, getting their head across um, and, and getting them in the legs, so that would slow linebackers down. You can't do that anymore. So you can go ahead and you can go ahead and look like you have look like you're giving a numbers advantage to us to the short side of the field. We're going to run it, and you're just going to slant your guys that way. And those linebackers can just come because they know that that tight end or that backside tackle or that backside guard's not going to cut them. And those guys can't, and you can't get there fast enough if they just come right now. You can't get in front of them to block them in the zone. And our offense hasn't been the same since they made that rule change. And Ference has talked about it a bunch. So at some point it's yeah, like, okay, yeah. well, we got to, and, and we tried, we ran some counter action, some pin and pull stuff. Like we, we did some stuff on the offensive line that like looked like it was kind of trying to get away from just being a straight up zone team. We just didn't do a very good job with it. Like there were a couple yeah. times where I was like, Jesus guys, like you, if you're going to pull, you got to have somebody down blocking. Cause otherwise that guy's just, I mean, the, the nose or the defensive tackle for SDSU was awesome. And yeah. And he just ate us up, yeah. but, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's. I, and Ferris, you know, I, I preface everything with obviously it's worked more times than it hasn't, but that change in the cut block rule and us, being slow to change in response to it is just another example of me that, you know, under Ferentz, Kirk and Iowa almost have to be painted into a corner to make any significant change, right? Um, You know, going from Jake to Stanzi, going from Rudock to CJ, like CJ had to basically his dad or CJ or whoever had to basically say, if I don't start, I'm out of here. You know, like he has to be forced into change. Um, and I don't know what's gonna, what's going to do that this year, but yeah, if I, anything, I don't know. I, you know, I, it didn't seem after the game, like there was much of a hope for anybody, but Spencer playing and uh, Ferentz's interview or Ferentz's press conference on Tuesday, Brian Ferentz's press conference today made it seem a, like a little more like maybe they'd be open to it. Um, confidence in both guys and all that. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. And like, and, and, and that's the thing, like, obviously you don't have confidence in Alex because he'd be in the game if you had confidence for it with him. Cause this guy's, I don't know what you're seeing. I just don't right? you like, it's just like, there's no, cause it, because he's done it before, right? He's, he's made the change before. Like I went back and looked the only two quarterbacks I've seen in the entire time that um, Ferentz has been here with lower passer ratings than for a season than than Spencer was were, were Jake Christensen was like 117, which is basically what Spencer has been the last two years, mm-hmm. and then James Vandenberg as a senior was like 108. It was like ter- just absolutely terrible and took every snap that year with. 
two guys who went to the NFL on the bench and a junior college transfer that went to Louisiana Tech and threw for about 4,000 yards. So, yeah, but like you said, that, wasn't that, was that Greg Davis's first year? That was Greg Davis's first year, and James Vandenberg was really good the year before. Like, yeah, he, yeah. he hit 25 touchdowns the year before. So, like, it made a little more sense then because the whole, you know, union card, you know, thing, you know, like, he actually had proven something with Spencer. There's no, there's nothing, like, he's not a game manager. He's not, we said the one touchdown tonight. You are winning, you know, people can point to, oh, we've won a lot of games. Like, it is in spite of him. Yeah, we didn't absolutely. have an offense. Of we, didn't, offense. Yeah. we didn't have an offensive drive that lasted more than uh, three minutes. The entire first half, we spent the entire first half on South Dakota State side of the field. Oh yeah, and had insane. three points. Like yeah. didn't even didn't even like sniff the end zone. Dude, and we spent the whole first half on that side. Here's here, here's something. I don't know if I already told you this or not, but it's gonna blow your mind if I haven't. South Dakota State had three first downs. They were three for sixteen. Right? They had 120 total yards. Right, those numbers do not add up to having the ball very long. Yeah, right. They had it for 29 minutes and 44 seconds. Yeah, that's insane. Like with 120 total yards, they had the ball for half the game. Meaning, this complimentary football thing of like we're gonna take the time, we're gonna kill the clock. That makes what the defense did even more impressive because they were on the field quite a bit. You know, yeah. and 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 like. To me, it was basically three and out and punt, yeah. three and out and punt, both, both sides, the mm-hmm. whole flipping game. I mean, it yeah, was just brutal. It was awful. Just brutal. Then the one drive we did have, their linebacker made an unbelievable play to strip the ball. Like, just he was on the ground and, like, yeah, that was an unbelievable play to strip the ball. You know, and if he, and, and I'm kind of glad he did because if, you know, say we make that field goal and we score that touchdown, that's 10 more points, 17 to three. And 17 to three is just like, eh. But I think it needed to be seven three, and it needed to be like yeah, it needed to be it needed to be national embarrassment stuff, right? Like, because this stuff's eventually going to catch up to him. Like, we're we're eventually not going to be able to recruit anybody to play wide receiver. We're not going to be able to, you know, like it's going to catch up to him. I said that before Iowa's game. I said that Thursday night when Charlie was just when Chuck Sizzle was just tearing it up. At Purdue was like, why? Why would an, uh, any receiver recruit ever come to Iowa anymore? I mean, we've always yeah. said that for years, but now there's evidence like, yeah. not to do so. Now, and then, on, on the other on the other side of that, like on the other side of that, go back to 2019. Like Tyrone Tracy had 700 yards receiving, right? Yeah. Amir Smith Marset was an All Big Ten wide receiver. He's in the NFL. Brandon Smith's on a practice squad. Like, the, I, I think some of it was overblown until Spencer started playing. And then it's like, well, now you're just running wind sprints. Like who the hell cares? Like, right. Right. You know. And you know how it is. I mean, it's, it's recency bias and it's perception, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who cares what the facts are? It's perception. Yeah. Well, the perception yeah. as a recruit, especially the perception is why would I go to Iowa if I'm a receiver? Right. And then one thing you said too, about the fumble, which this one does not count, but back to my original statement, how many times have we seen it in Ferentz's tenure where a running back fumbles the ball and never comes back in, like sits the yeah. rest of the game? Yeah. But yet Spencer can come out, miss wide open guys left and right, take mm-hmm. terrible sacks, and there's no – it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't no, it make doesn't. any sense. Yeah, I think – I, I, I don't know. You sent the thing about like – was there something in like what Mar-a-Lago that like, yeah, yeah. or whatever that and I, I think blackmails I, the only I, the only logical explanation is that blackmail. I sent to another group that my dad wasn't in like like the only logical like before you even sent that the only logical explanation here is that Ferentz or Spencer has photos of Ferentz you know like 
doing something to farm animals. Like that is the only logical <laughs> explanation. <laughs> well, I hope your dad doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. I, 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 get your mind out of the gutter. He could just be feeding farm animals, Brad. Like what? I said doing something. Um, but like you know, like it just it it it, it does like it just blows blows my mind. I have no idea. And, and he's in a bad. I maybe they turn it around, right? With that said, if if Iowa loses to Iowa State this weekend and looks that poorly on offense again, it's going to get ugly. It's already ugly. It's going to get real ugly. It's going to get real fast. Yeah. But three o'clock, an extra three hours of drinking. Iowa State. Oh, I just mean no. I just mean yeah. At at the game, sure. But just in general. In general, yeah. But the good news is the Hawks are going to win Saturday. So I hope you know. so. I hope so. We'll, we'll see. 50 50. 50 50. I did see, though, which may work in our favor, but who knows? Uh, I did see a stat that like 75 or 80% of the money is on Iowa State gambling uh, money on Saturday, and the line is still sitting at. Hawks three and a half, four point favor. So the line hasn't really adjusted to that, which usually means Vegas knows something, but yeah, they always know. Vegas always <laughs> what could know. they possibly know though? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I think they're probably looking at the fact that like Iowa State turns it over like crazy against us, typically. But Yeah. And it's wouldn't be the first time. I mean, obviously seven to three with three offensive points, but it wouldn't be the first time we've looked sluggish not great week one and then come out week two and look like a different team or an improved team and in a lot of aspects but there's again on the offensive side of the ball only because yeah that yeah we we offensively we've been pretty bad against iowa state since um bethard's um senior year in 2016 20 or no excuse me uh uh stanley's first year in 2017 when we won that game in overtime the Get in the end zone game when Nick easily you yelled get in the end zone <laughs> from my and, patio on the condo patio and that guy missed that putt and was pissed at us because um, like something that like I think there was like an interception and we went nuts and that guy was putting on two or something yeah yeah, yeah yeah um but uh yeah like since that game like I think it was thirteen we won thirteen to three um we won. 17 16 right the and then this last one was we scored 27 points but we should have scored 50 based on where we got the where the defense got us the ball so we'll see we'll see how this goes but i'm not i i mean what do you think 13 is the over under for us like could could you get people to bet an over at at 17 points if you're setting just on iowa yeah, I don't think you yeah. can. I don't think you can get Iowa fans. Though. No, I think the unders the play. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. But just just a reminder for folks as well, because we got to do this every year. That you know, Iowa's won what seven straight. So looking at eight straight, six. Because huh? the one the one year that was six. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we didn't have it in COVID. Yeah, but it's been yeah, seven straight years. All right, so. 27 and 10, the Hawkeyes are against Iowa State since 1983 when I was born. So in my lifetime, 27 and 10, the Hawkeyes are against Iowa State. It's pretty good. 
and hopefully uh, 28 and 10 because I really don't want to deal with Iowa State fans. Yeah, that's what I said at the start of the day or start of the the night, though, is that uh, working from home, I haven't had to have those like stupid ass freaking conversations in the hallways at work with Iowa State fans that are just brutal. Yeah. yeah, and you just smile and nod and say, yeah, we'll see. It'll be a close game. I'm sure it always is. Yeah, you guys put up a fight, you know, fucking mm. losers. So I haven't had to have any of those. <laughs> Which is uh, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully the Hawks can uh, just win, baby. Just pull it out. Yeah. What, what else? Do we have anything else to talk about from week one of college football? You, did, you mentioned Purdue. I do want to say this real quick. Yeah. Like, Purdue, like, calm down a little bit here, guys. I know you've beat us a few years in a row, but still, you got beat by Penn State. You don't need to be tweeting out, here was Charlie Jones' stats last year. Here was his stats after one yeah, game this year. Exactly. Like, you guys lost the game. Like, under, like, you know, come on. And, and not to a great Penn State team either. You know, watching by that terrible, game. Uh, by terrible clock management. So that's the oh, thing, that was too. Oh, that's boy, yeah. Charlie Jones, for Charlie Jones, in my opinion, absolutely made the right decision, right? I mean, yeah. he's he, he's already, through yeah, one yeah. week, made, gone from nowhere near an NFL prospect to, to at least a somewhat known name in Big Ten country, right, outside of Iowa. Um, I mean, he was the return man of the year last year. People knew who yeah, he was. Yeah, I know, I know. But like, but they, I don't know. No, the Michigan fans around me in Indianapolis had no idea who he was. It's like, man, you guys really like this Charlie, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. how much do you know about other teams' return people, you know? But anyways, my point being... That's a legitimate point. You've made a solid yeah. point. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. My point being, he's raised his, he's raised his whatever, his Q score, if you will. But that doesn't that Iowa could still and probably is a better team than Purdue, right? Like Iowa's Iowa might win more games than Purdue. And just because we play a different style doesn't mean, like you said, right, that Purdue right. needs like, to rub on, it in our pump, face that yeah, they're better out. than us. Like, well, yeah. yeah, you guys throw the ball a shit ton more and receive all your receivers have better stats than Iowa receivers every year. But we win games a different way, and you right. can put up those stats. And can't run out of clock and don't know how to win a game. So yeah, you, know, you ran there. sixteen plays in the last six minutes of a game and took three minutes off the clock somehow. Exactly. And fifteen yeah. of them were passes. Like, come on, get out of here. Right. Um, yeah, and that and that gets to the point too of like where I think some of the online stuff like Purdue's cool because they run, they throw the ball over the place, and so they're cool, right? They're the trendy team. Whereas we're the, you know, the, the team everybody likes to, to shit on. Yeah. But when you get outside of that online world, and again, this is like kind of everything, right? Politics, sports, everything, you know, social media is not the real world. Right. And there are a lot of people out there that would look, that look at it like we do and just like, hold on here, Purdue. Like, yes, well, I know Iowa's offense sucks. Like you guys, you know, Jeff Brom's 500 there and also yeah. going to go to louisville next year so like, <laughs> you know like so have fun i guess have fun with your twitter you know your twitter now because you'll be back to being daryl hazel terrible pretty soon yeah yeah and with that said it'd be nice if we uh did something to 
let me argue against us being the laughing stock. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. right now. Right, right. <laughs> it's Dude, hard to defend. Like, since we've been, since we got to number two in the country, like, yeah, there ha- I haven't enjoyed watching a single Iowa game. Even the ones we've won were miserable. Right, like. The, the last 15 minutes of the Nebraska game was funny because Nebraska was melting down again. But before that, it was miserable. And Minnesota was miserable right up to the point where we're purposely not trying to score on the two-yard line and almost cost ourselves the game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Illinois was miserable. And, like, it's just – it comes to a point where it's like, yes, I want to win games, but, like, some of this is an entertainment factor. And – my God, I don't know how you guys sat in the stadium on Saturday and just watched fun after fun. <laughs> like, you know, like, so there was so. a guy in the north end zone that uh, every third down was cheering for Tory to get warmed up. And then as the punt would uh, leave his foot, would give a boom and stand up. And then when we'd down it, he'd just go crazy and start chanting Tory. And at one point, most of the crowd was chanting MVP after, one, after his ninth or tenth punt. <laughs> his ninth or tenth punt. Oh, it my God. It was pretty awesome. He had 500 yards punting. That guy in the north end zone uh, may or may not have been me. (laughs) 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 Thigh dog's got a couple on video. (laughs) Nice, nice. Let's think what are we, you know, what are you going to do? It's like life's all about expectations. Make your own own fun, right? Yeah, it's like life's all about expectations, baby. If you guys came here expecting to see some offense, you're disappointed. If you come here wanting to see great Tory Taylor punts, this is the greatest game ever, you know? (laughs) Day of your life. Yeah, that's that's the like in all seriousness, life is about expectations, but I don't think anybody had real high bar to clear, and they no, somehow yeah, exactly. yeah, and they somehow like, even the we have high yeah. expectations podcast had like, pretty low expectations. Brian Ferentz, <laughs> Brian Ferentz tripped over a freaking two inch bar, and yeah, so what's it? Yeah. Um, like what's the the gif of that dude just firing basketballs? You know, like from like three, he's got the rack for a three point contest and he's it's just firing balls all over the place. It is a GIF, right? It's a GIF. GIF. It's a GIF, right? I don't know. It's a, it's an age old argument. We're not going to settle it tonight. All right. Oh, I think we got to pause this podcast and get this worked <laughs> out. Um, anyway, it's my like point being tomato. is like, like that guy, that guy throwing balls was like, like how I picture Brian Ferentz running the offense in practice, basically at this point, <laughs> like just oh, like Jesus. just complete nonsense. So, and then like you know, I think somebody said, uh, you know, the the word is the offense looked good yesterday. Now it's important for Spencer Petras to quote stack days, and I'm just like, he is a third year starter. It's his that's... fifth year in the program. Like, what are at some point he is what he is, guys, and yeah. like you know, like. That's the thing too. It's like it's it'd be one thing if this was like a, a redshirt freshman or something, but it's like you know, I mean, you got to be good by now, dude. This is like you said, you're yeah. in the program. Like, and you don't even but, have to be good. You just have to be just mediocre, right? Yeah, like, serviceable. Yeah, like just, just yeah. It 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 it, it almost feels at this point like hoping that he's going to turn the corner, like the coaches are doing, would be like me waking up every morning and checking to see if my hair grew back. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to be there guys. Like, let's just move on. Right. Um, so anyway, there you go. Hey, uh, since it's Cyhawk week though, I do want to ask you, I'm sure you've been listening is, uh, how good's the content on that, uh, Iowa everywhere. Have you been listening to Williams and Miller? I mean, Cyclone and Hawkeye, that's gotta no. be 
the best week for them to drop them. What, what are they doing? Did we make fun of them last week? We did a little bit, okay. but I think you wanted to make fun of John Miller some more this week. What is John week? Miller doing? He's got like a 15-tweet thread about like not booing and, and be better, be a better person, look inward and try to be. And it's like, dude, who the fuck are you? Like, on, I, I would never boo at a football game. Like, that's not who I am. I'm not going to do it. I boo I the really, officials from time I don't, to time. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. I'm not going to I'm gonna boo the officials. But <laughs> even if I'm booing the official, it's more of me yelling to, like, you know, oh, half off official. Like, it's not boo. Um, car would but, kick you in the balls. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. That guy behind us laughed. Um, was that the same day I got the guy gave me 10 bucks to buy the first round? Like I think I called, so, yeah. I, I, think called, so. uh, I called the, the touchdown in the corner of the end zone or something. Um, no, like, what is he doing? Back when $10 like, could buy a round, Drewski. Yeah, I know. Oh, shit. Um, like, what, what is he, what is he, who the hell does he think he is? Like, it's like this guy, <laughs> this guy, like, posts his, like, he posts everything about his life on the internet for everybody to see, and then... Like because he's so narcissistic and so needy for it and, and needs the attention so much. I mean, I, I understand that's rich coming from two guys that put a podcast out for four people <laughs> to listen to every week. But like every kid's like every golf rounds on there and I don't follow him. These, this is from that Iowa website that like somebody puts up the ridiculous stuff he sends. Right. So I'm not actually giving him the. What give, website is that? Halo. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought there was actually like a JohnMillerTweets.com or something. I Maybe I should like, make I... one. Maybe I should make one. That would but, be a money. That may be a business. But like the dude has he he's he's retired <laughs> six times, like, and he just keeps coming back with these just terrible ideas. Like at one point, his wife posted a message on Twitter about how she would not do it all over again on their anniversary. <laughs> Like maybe you need to think about being better in your life, boss, before yeah. you like go on these. You know, like stop looking a, for those. What a stop jackass! Looking, stop looking for those six packs in the bushes, and maybe you start looking inward a little bit, John. I mean, Miller. I gotta, I gotta give him. You know, you gotta give him credit on that, Brad. You, you hit a six pack in the room, and and uh, it, oh no, my dad hit it from you. Your Never dad hit it from me. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, so do you remember, speaking of Halo and John Miller, do you remember when he had that, you know, for a month, he had that political fly overlords, his political but Twitter handle, but he misspelled it. it. <laughs> Somebody spelled it the correct way. Because it was spelled correctly in his bio, yeah. like in his in his Hawkeye Nation bio, you could click on it the correct way, but he misspelled it when he made the account. That's so his right. the link in his Hawkeye Nation bio took you to some other guy making <laughs> was fun of him. To be John Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the funniest, or that was one of the best weeks. Oh God, that was, that shit was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's like him and Chris Williams are doing like a politics podcast or a. <laughs> like and it's just like Jesus Christ, dude! Nobody cares. You sell propane in Kansas City, Missouri. Like who cares? The best is we were talking about this last night at our fantasy draft. Like every at the end of every football season or at the end of every bowl game now for the last what seven years, He's he retired. quote unquote retires because he needs to spend more time with his family, and then. The week before the week one game, he's back with Hawkeye Podcast, or he's back with whatever he did with Morehouse, or now he's on Iowa Everywhere with Chris Williams. And it's like, dude, 
it's just called an off season. Like you like yeah. football, you want to talk Stop, about yeah. it. You want to spend the off season with your family. Like that's fine. You don't have to retire and yes. then come out of retirement every pod- year. You don't have to put a podcast out of every, every week, buddy. Like everybody, will, it'll be okay. Like, right. you know, just what I like, also, he, he said he wasn't going, before they announced this Iowa everywhere, he wasn't going to provide instant reactions because he couldn't guarantee he'd watch the game live because Saturdays are great days to golf in the fall. And I'm like, yeah, look, dude, I love golf probably more than just about anybody, right? Like, I'm still going to go ahead and watch the seven or the, the 11 games a year. Like, or, you know, when you when you actually think about it, it's probably about six games where you could have played golf. Like yeah, during the exactly. game, right? Like, what Saturdays, do you do? You know what? Saturdays in the fall are great for everywhere. College football. And you know, I football. And you, like, you know what else is a good day to play golf in the fall? Sunday. Yeah. Or Friday or you know, whenever you could go ahead exactly. and just go do it. You know, like, and uh, or, so, much yeah. for, so much for spending time with your family being on the course. <laughs> like, you know, it's, a four, it's a four and a half hour hobby. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, you know? Well, and so maybe... Yeah, he's an idiot. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, this week is three guy. o'clock, so you can go play golf in the morning and still get home and watch the oh, game yeah. and report your podcast. Next week is a night game. You got all freaking day to golf on Saturday and still do your podcast. Like, yeah, he's just, mm-hmm. he's a he's, dumb, he's a dumbass. So he deserves hey, he deserves it. So before we wrap this up here, I know we've been uh, all Hawkeyes and all uh, Iowa State game, but I got to slip in some tennis talk, man. Have you been yeah. watching this U.S. Open? Um, I have been actually. We um, watched Serena a little bit. Watched uh, yeah. that crazy man Kyrgios. Is it Kyrgios? Yeah. Uh, uh, watched him. Watched him Saturday night. I think. Yep, he got watched knocked a little out bit Saturday night, and then he got beat last night, right? Yeah, he got knocked out last night, and, and then and, broke uh, like fifteen rackets or in five sets. Didn't he like go nuts though, like on his rackets and or probably maybe I don't know. Probably. Um, but no, I'm, I'm talking about my boy, uh, Francis Tiofo. Well, I didn't want to steal your thunder. I was letting you get taken to out, taken out Nadal, which it was, uh, hobbled Nadal, I guess, but the guy's 36 years old. So yeah, it's probably going to be um, hobbled Nadal from here on out. Right. Right. Um, but then, uh, going on straight sets here in the quarterfinals today, looking very, very strong. Yeah. I watched, um, the, I watched the third set. It was, yeah, he looked good into the semis. So I think, and I've said as much American men's tennis is back and it's Francis Tiofo. So I, I, I did look cause I, we were texting about it today. It's the first American man in the semifinals of the U S open since 2006, Andy Roddick. Since Andy Roddick. Yep. And since I don't think and- an American has won a, a grand slam since Roddick in 02 or 03. 03 open uh andy roddick won um yeah the 03 u.s open and that's the last american male to win andy roddick lost that you know marathon match Mm in 09 against federer and wimbledon and since that final so back going back from 2009 there's only been two americans make it this far in majors sam query and john isner both made it to quarterfinals at wimbledon once so he's part of so they both made the quarters or the semis they made it to the semis i'm sorry they made it to the semis so yeah he's gotten as far as that but he would be the first 
to make a final if he wins in any major since 09 if he uh that's crazy if he wins on friday so and a pretty awesome story if you've been following it all he parents are immigrants from Sierra Leone, right yeah small uh western africa country and his dad was the uh custodian main custodian maintenance guy for the uh um like junior tennis tennis center in in Maryland. And Mm -hmm. Francis and his twin brother actually lived with their dad in an office at that facility five days a week. And then with their mom, because she would work like double shifts during the week, you know. So he like literally grew up on the tennis tennis courts. Yeah, (laughs) you know. That's Um, awesome. That's a pretty cool story. You don't hear a lot of that in tennis, like from America. Yeah, exactly. Um, And he was... He was hot on the scene. I mean, he was hot on the scene. Uh, big time, you know, kind of like a Freddie Adu almost. I mean, not really, but, you know, as mm-hmm. a young, uh, as a teenager, had a little bit of success. But then he even said after his Nadal match, you know, that he wasn't, he just wasn't ready mentally and maturity wise. And then kind of. And he's only like 24 the, or 25, right? Yeah, fell out of the top rankings and has worked his ass off the last two years when nobody was watching type thing, when the lights weren't on and now he's back at age 24 and now he says he's ready. So let's go, baby. Yeah, I hope so. That's a, that's a pretty cool story. USA. Now, like in, in the United States defense, other than three guys, there's been a lot of people in finals. There's really been like one spot, um, in these things since about 2005. Um, but, or, you know, obviously when Joker kind of came on the scene, but hundred percent. And Andy Roddick won in 03. Roddick and his career was one one and four in Grand Slam finals. And you can guess who his four losses were against. All Roger the Federer, Federer, right? All yeah. four of them. Yeah. So So like just... in a, in another world, in another world where Roger Federer is not born, Andy Roddick's a five time major winner. Yeah. Maybe or more, at least you know. three or four. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah. And it's just been insane that this is the first, what, what is the stat? This is the first Grand Slam in, like, the last, like, 70, some insane number, where one of those big three haven't made it to the semifinals. It's crazy. Granted, Rogers hurt and Joker should be there, but can't play. Um, but still, that's yeah. just how those three guys have just dominated, dominated the sport the- of tennis. For our entire adult lives. So when, <laughs> so here, here, this, this is crazy. So this was 2009. Like Federer won that match against Roddick to break Pete Sampras's record of to get to 15 Grand Slams, right? And wasn't that the most, or or was it just past? It was the second most, right behind Rod Laver, or yeah. whatever it was. But like that was in 2009. That was 15. So Federer's won seven more right he's got 21 or 22 and then you've got 20 for nadal or 24 for nadal and 20 for for joker like it's just crazy like that in 2009 14 was number two all time or whatever it was and now there's three guys playing that are in the 20s and you're just like jesus like this is nuts it is um so yeah I, I don't watch a ton of tennis, but I've really enjoyed it. So I might uh, might start picking it back up again, uh, even though I won't, you 
know, watch any of it until the, it's hard. For, it's hard to get into the Australian Open. It's on in the middle of the night. January, I like the, yeah. Like, but I watch like, the majors obviously, but it's hard. It's been hard for me to with Roger being out. It's been hard, you know. Like Nadal and Joker are fun to watch, but I just loved Roger Federer. I was such a huge fan. Mm-hmm. So having like an having an American like get into the top ten and be like a legit contender at every major if that happens for mm-hmm. Tiafo, that would be that would get me back and I'm sure a lot of fans back you know having an American male back kind of on the scene so hopefully yeah so Roger hopefully. has Roger has 20 Joker 21 Nadal 22 and Sampras 14 yeah so so Sampras had the most all time in 2009 and that record was broke by Federer. And now there's three guys over there. Right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you go back to like. Yeah. Well, it's like, just nuts. It was without a doubt. Roger Federer was the greatest of all time. Without a doubt. Right. No without doubt. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, Nadal. I mean, he's the greatest on clay. And then Nadal started beating him a couple times at Wimbledon and once on a hard court. And then you're like, can you really say Roger's the greatest of all time if you can't and beat Nadal? Comes, yeah, then and then there's Djokovic. a third guy, Djokovic, comes <laughs> in and starts <laughs> beating them both. And yeah. you're like, well, now this guy. I mean, Djokovic yeah. has had two of the most incredible years ever. Yeah. Almost one calendar grand slam. So it's like, well, how can you not say Joker isn't the greatest of all time? Like, it's just nuts. Right. And all yeah, that's happened within the last, like, 15 years all that happened Djokovic's first major was uh 2008 or his first grand slam was 2008 Nadal's first was 2005 Federer's first was 2003 he won 2003 Wimbledon was his first yeah so So, when Federer was breaking Pete Sampras's record in 2009 Joker had like one maybe Joker had (laughs) one yeah Joker so in 2009 when Roger won his 15th at Wimbledon Joker had Yep, Joker had one, and the doll had five or had six at that point. Federer had fifteen, and those guys caught him. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean they're caught, not all caught him with Federer winning five more. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like Federer just stopped at fifteen. He, yeah, like but you know you go through that you know you like and you're looking at like the men's you know since 2009 Andy Roddick you know like you know like you've got like. Like Stan Rowinka, Rowinka has three. Andy Murray has three. Other than that, it's a whole bunch of it's just a couple one-offs. You know, like you don't really have like nobody else's. um, You know, you've got the the two and two of those are COVID years where like Djokovic hasn't played in the U.S. Open for three years, has he? Like, yeah, um, yeah. So. And one time Djokovic got thrown out of the U.S. Open for hitting a little kid in the face with a ball, right? right? Like, so Djokovic could have, um, yeah. yeah. And everything we said about Roddick, you could say the absolute exact same thing uh, about Andy Murray. Right, right, about Andy (laughs) Murray. But Djokovic would have been in the 2021 because we didn't have vaccines yet. But I don't think he was in last year and I don't think he was in this year, right? Did they play? I don't think they played the U.S. Open in 2020, did they? We've got Dominic Thiem as the winner in 2020. They canceled Wimbledon, but they played the U.S. Open. I just think they played it with no fans. Okay. Is yeah. what I'm gathering from from this. Yeah, and you're right. Novak. He, I think uh, that's the one where he got he got shit canned for hitting the um 
for hitting the person in the face. You're right. He got disqualified in the fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't think he played last year because I think you had to have a vaccine last year, right? That was kind of when it. Yeah. No, he was in the he was in the final last year. So why why could he play last year and not this year? What the hell, what the fuck's going on? Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, the I dumbest mean, thing ever. Yeah. I guess like stupid. who who are we protecting by not letting Novak or yeah. any foreigner just without a vaccine? Like, I mean, like, look, it's look, the dumbest I, thing I'm, ever. I'm I'm not like I'm not the most conservative person in the world. You know this. Like what are we what are we doing with any vaccine things right now? Like just move on with life here, people. Like get yeah. a vaccine if you want one. If you don't want one, who cares? Like let's let's go. Like just don't come to my house sick. Like uh, right? <laughs> like that's basically like I don't I don't want to be sick for a few days. So but yeah, I don't I don't I don't understand that. I just assume that he wasn't just assume that he was not in the um in yeah, the tournament because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I mean, here's the other thing that's dumb. Like they're not showing Russia behind these guys' names at the yeah, tournament this year. Okay. Too. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. As long as I'm on the same page as you, is that, that it's dumb. Like, I think we're okay here. <laughs> well, let's start flipping through these pages because there's going to be quite a few where you're not going to be on the same page as I am. But <laughs> at oh. least. Yeah, we yeah. got you to the point where if you want to take the vaccine, take it. If not, who gives a shit? <laughs> so, I've, I've been there for a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Once, uh, once, once we got Pat, it just never occurred to me that people wouldn't take it when you know the whole thing was going on. But now, what do do whatever the fuck you want? I don't care. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean. And most of the countries at that point, so I don't understand like why the U.S. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it at all either. Yeah, I don't get it at all either. It's only well. The other dumb thing is, um, any of these Americans that are unvaccinated can go over to the French Open and play. Go over to Wimbledon and play. Go up to Canada yeah. and play. Go anywhere and play and come back because I'm an American. But no, no you back can't, isn't. You can't. You can't go to Canada. Baseball players haven't been going to Canada. Well, all. yeah, that's yeah. right. But that's that's Canada, though, right? Oh, didn't you say Canada? I thought you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, you know, because he's not an American, he can't come in. But an American can go out and come back in. Right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I it's know. dumb. I get yeah. I get confused when I try to follow the the logic behind these rules. So there's not a lot to it. Sometimes. Who am I? You know. I'm just a guy yeah. sitting in the middle of the north end zone that loves watching a good punt. So who's France is gonna be uh gonna be playing here? So Francis is gonna be playing, they're playing right now. Um I had it here. I gotta We've kind of gone off the, uh, kind of the rails. I kind of forgot we were taping a podcast now. Like, it's we it's uh, Sinner from Italy, the 11th seed, and then Alcaraz Garfia. Uh, so it's a Spaniard and an Italian that are going gotcha. uh, right now. They're tied 3-3 in the first set, it looks like. So we would like um, that. We'd like that thing to go all five, right? Correct. Way. Correct. It'd be about a, a five-hour match. Yep. And I would say, I mean, you know. Obviously, I'm not John McEnroe here, but you got the three seed, the 11 seed um, playing to face Tiafo, and then you got the five seed and the 27 seed in the other semifinal. So he's got as good a chance as any to pull this off, especially the way he's been playing. But 
we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. It'd be great for it'd be great for the old US of A. And for that reason, I'd be happy they kept Novak out. That's true. That's true, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if it helps him, if it helps us break the U the USA men's uh major schneid. Good stuff. Okay, well, well, as yeah. we wrap it up here, what do you think? The Hawks gonna pull off uh pull off the W on Saturday? Um no, I don't. I think it's time. I think everything's been building to this moment. And they're finally going to beat us, and it's going to be awful. I'm going to drink so much whiskey. Um, Hawks, 12, Iowa State, 8. Huh? That's my that's my pick. 12-8, Hawks. Oh, all the all that other stuff was coming out? I, that was just my inner yeah. monologue. That was my inner monologue. This uh, is exactly like what yeah. you did last week. We have no Hawks. offense. We suck. We're going ten and two. <laughs> when I look at it game by game, <laughs> Zach sent me. He's like, a lot of those scores probably gonna be right with the way the offense is playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, I'm gonna go Hawks 12-8. 12-8. Any touchdowns? No, six safeties. <laughs> <laughs> and Iowa State's gonna get four safeties. <laughs> Four safeties. No, Iowa State's going to get a touchdown, uh, missed extra point, and a safety. So there's going to be there's going to be seven safeties in this football game. It's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to love it. And the what Hawks channel? Gonna... What channel is the game on? BTN. TV. BTN. Okay. Good stuff. I will be there. I will be uh, present. Come by Hancher if you guys want to. You know, cold one and a handshake. And. Uh, I think the Hawks are going to pull it off just because everybody else thinks they're not. So I hope that's, so. That's the show. I, I leave it. I let's so. leave it there. That's all. That's all we got. You got. You got our best effort this week, folks. So. But a bing, but a boom. We'll see. Much ya. like uh, we we took John Miller's advice and decided to be better tonight, and and we were. Yeah. Introspective. <laughs> Have a good one. We'll catch sure you guys is. all next week.